Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, talking with shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus D, and we have got some huge announcements today, some great big thank yous that we want to do at the start of the episode. Wait, what? what's this? Uh, big shout out to our two new patrons, what? absolute two new patrons, Adam and 40013. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Also, shout out to a laughing fox, by the way, for increasing his uh, sponsorship to us as what? well. Awesome. Absolutely. And not only that, Vic, do you know what today is? No. Today is the anniversary, the second anniversary of whenever we decided to launch our podcast. What? Really? Two, yeah, two years ago, we decided to take everybody's advice and actually launch the <laughs> podcast. And here we are. And... What better, uh, what better time than in October than to actually announce that? Do you realize that on our patron, no, I'm sorry, on our podcast hosting server, we just celebrated our 10,000th download. Nice. Absolutely. Now, most of our, now most of our actual viewership comes actually from YouTube. Uh, so it's, you know, it's bigger than that, but 10,000 downloads on our host site. We could still not very, have done, yeah, cool. it's still, cool. we could not have done that without all of our loyal listeners. Thank you. So much from the bottom of our heart. And I'll drink so, to that. Absolutely. So, today we're still going to finish off these uh, lemon-lime flamingo fruit fights that we had from last time. It was I think it doesn't make me as burpy as last time. Yeah. So, uh, cheers, you guys. Cheers to, cheers to all our listeners. Mm. Oh, that's good. Oh, man. That might be one of my favorite lime beers. It's good, man. You know, I really thought this was going to be, like, way more... Uh, like sour and salty. I wish it was. You know, it, it's it's kind of like a Bud Light lime. If a Bud Light lime was uh, more expensive and looked more bougie, <laughs> I think it tastes like, a lot better than yeah. Bud Light lime, though. I know it, it does. It, I mean, it tastes. And better. Bud Light lime doesn't taste bad. No, I actually like Bud Light lime. One of my favorite ones. So it's one of my favorite beers. I still can't believe you drink Bud Light orange. Ugh. It's also it's another citrusy beer. I know it's just too orangey. That's the name. I know. It's too, it's too much. It's like me going, man, I don't like Bud Light Lime. It's too limey. Uh, you know, I was like, I, I didn't expect that it would be this there's much no, of a lime there's taste There's no such Bud thing as too limey. Yes, lime is the penultimate flavor. Then uh, obviously people are not eating your fish. Because <laughs> uh, if you want to know what too limey is, that's, yeah. It hey, is you, like, you liked my fish. I did, but it was like if a fish had sex with a lime. Good. That's what, I, that's what I was going for. Yes. That's and what that's, I wanted. That, and then you ate the fish afterwards, being like, man, this, is a, this got a weird taste to it. Oh, I thought you were going to say, and then you ate the lime afterwards. And it's like, this lime no. tastes kind of fishy. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So um, if you didn't check out our last episode, me and Vic spent a whole, the whole episode talking about missing 411 and these weird invisible entities that was a, uh, that people often report encountering in the woods and that was a big part of it so let's go in, going over some uh, some uh, comments that people have left the smoking gun said miss uh, many of the missing 411 tales read like they are straight out of a search and rescue creepy pasta per usual this was another great episode uh, great listen keep it keep it real fellas just as a note, I also rather like the search and rescue creepypastas. We did. We have a lot of, uh, we have a lot more, man. Like, if you really want some cool, the episode where we talked about uh, the stairs in the woods mm -hmm. was definitely a really, that was one of our early episodes, though. I want to say that was. Oh, yeah. We it did was that. like, I think episode three, four, yeah, something yeah. like that. It's was was another great episode if you're into this kind of stuff. That's so. another one that's argued if it is a creepypasta or not. Mm -hmm. I think we should take a trek. 20 miles into the woods to find out. I'm going to stab you with this bottle opener. Keep oh, it up. Okay, before we get into the comments. Keep it up. This is gonna... what, did, what did you... Okay, earlier we were we were hanging out with Ellie, and we are talking about where we want to go to get some lunch. And 
Ellie throws out that she wants to go to the vegan restaurant. And I look at Marcus. I'm like, what do you think, Marcus? And then I go to the I, vegan restaurant? And then I fired you from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. He goes, you want to go? I'm like, you're fired. I, yet I'm still here. I'm just, you're, you know what? You're on probation. That's what it is. You know, one if more, I'm, you get the pink slip. If I'm on probation, you're on probation as well. That's for, I'm not the one that came up with the idea of let's go to a vegan restaurant. That's, <laughs> Neither did I. That was Ellie's In idea. some countries, that's a threat. <laughs> Okay. Okay, comments, comments. All right. Dan Ward, patron, said, Hey, Vic, make Marcus drink another sour beer without telling him. What? Oh, my Why God. That's a great jump idea. jump on Marcus Day? This is coming up. This is going to be a thing maybe next episode. I might have to wait a few episodes so I can surprise him. I feel like Michelangelo from the original Ninja Turtles movie. He's like, at what point did we lose control here? <laughs> this is vegan restaurants and sour beers i think that this is a request from you know you said patron right yeah this is a patron request we have to do this yeah without telling them that's <laughs> yep that's part of it just, just wait then, just wait I'm it's mad. coming it's coming creepy california super duper <laughs> fan said <laughs> what's fun i once found a severed toe while hiking through turnbull canyon Went to the trailhead to tell the police. By the time we got back to where it was, it was gone. All that was left was a few drops of blood and a large canine footprint. Another time, found an abandoned car with a dead guy in it. It had been sitting there for a week, and high face was missing. Uh, dude looked like a skeletor, mostly like a, likely eaten by rats since the back window was cracked open. I don't know. Am I just lucky or something? Because I've been like hiking through the wilderness my whole life. And have never found a dead body. Like, it's just, I've never ran into that. Well, I mean, if you really think about, like, where you're more likely to run into a dead body, it's the city. I mean. And, and then I guess I also grew up in a swampy area, I mean, so I, 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 their bodies are going to disappear I mean, I guess. Fast. I mean, I guess that's why, like, in the woods, that's where people go to hide their dead bodies, I guess. But there's just so much space. Like, that just sounds like bad luck, creepy California. Now I'm wondering how many dead bodies were I hiking by and just never noticed because the swamp had taken most of them. Also, in response to the tell, by the way, I don't know if anybody out there is a big Lebowski fan, but it reminded me of, like, the John Goodman quote. He's like, oh, you want a tell? Well, I can get you a tell. I can get you a tell by, like, 3 p.m. right now. Oh it's like one of the best movies of all time. He's obsessed with it. I, I am, man. I have the dude. I have the dude's uh, uh, cardigan. I do. My my parents no, got. No, I know. For, you wore I know. that one day, and I'm like, "What the I hell do. are you wearing?" It's great. Lucas Baker said, "This is one of my favorite shows. Totally love the stories. I'm drinking my twisted teas. Nice. And you know what, Lucas Baker? We love you too. We love you too. You are one of our favorite fans. Thank you so much." <laughs> Izzy twenty eight said, "I've read her books." Probably referring to Steph, uh, Steph Young. Uh, actually trying to look up David uh, Politis' books and decided to buy her books first. And I ended up buying three books, one of them being five books in one series called Something in the Woods is Taking People. She's a really good author. It is definitely a lot easier to get her books than David Politis's. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, you know, and, and, you know it's interesting. She, Dave, you, you will read people talking about the missing 411 phenomenon, not realizing that there are other people out there other than David, he's a pioneer. I gave it to him in the first episode when we covered that. But there are other people that are out there other than him uh, as well. But, I mean, but he still continues to do it. I will say I think he's the most analytical of, yeah. of any of any uh, missing 411 researcher out there. He, David Pilatus is probably the best. I will, give, I will give him that credit. But Stephanie Young also collects a lot of interesting stories. And you... I know she branches off into some of the weeds, and it's kind of interesting when, when to read some. I of that might stuff. look up one of those series and try to finish one of those books oh, before yeah. before the next episode. Oh uh, yeah, uh, Killing Reality says I have a true missing four one one experience with me when I was a scout back in the nineties. Uh, I talked to Steve Stockton about it, but I would rather talk to you guys, uh, talk to guys from talk to guys from India about it. If you ever want to talk about it, I'm not a good writer, and I wouldn't do it justice because I'm sure there would be questions that I've never thought of. We would love to get your experience yeah, missing four one one. Yeah, yeah. This could be a special episode. Yeah, right re here. reach out. Yeah, reach out to us on our uh, on our email, man. One candles, uh, one the number one candle society uh, at gmail.com. Uh, reach out to us. We would absolutely love to talk to you. Get your story. Okay, <laughs> laughing fox, um, asshole. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> great guy. I'm sorry. I just I read his comment. I got started. I'm sorry. That was a. Uh, Freudian slip there. I apologize. Uh, Laughing Fox says, We could do this the easy way or the hard way, Marcus. You make it hard enough, and I guarantee spooks and bookings of the woods will be the least of your worries. But in all seriousness, what I'm hearing is that uh, Christ Crunch needs a new needs a new uh, church, needs a new wizard. 
But for real, this time, uh, on the subject uh, on uh, different wavelengths, uh, this is, in fact, scientifically proven. My partner has what's known as tetrachromia. Something tells me you said that very well. He has four-color receiving cone cells in his eyes as opposed to the usual three colors. Sometimes look wildly different to him. Uh, He constantly sees greater variety of shades and hues of colors as well. Uh, this causes details that uh, I don't uh, notice to literally seem to glow to glow to his eyes. And you wouldn't know how off the charts my vision and hearing are due to sensory processing issues. If it wasn't so overwhelming, I'd say he has superpowers. Uh, all of that is to say that if there are beings that can utilize some kind of light-bending uh, active camouflage like the Glimmermen seem to, uh, or other means to hide the presence by messing with normal people's perception, people with abnormalities and sensations, perceptions might be more resistant to or outright... Uh, immune to these abilities or technology, which may account for some of the stories where we hear paranormal where different people seeing the same event can perceive the entity or see them very differently. We've talked about this condition before. I just didn't know it appeared in males. Mm-hmm. I, I knew it appeared in females sometimes, right. but I didn't I didn't know that males uh, could get it. Well, no, well, I mean... I guess get it is the wrong term, but you know what I mean. Well, yeah, I mean, there's people that have different like, conditions with their eyes. Like, I have astigmatism. And yeah. If you have astigmatism, if you've got, like, a night, that's why you see, like, light reflect, like, refraction where it looks kind of like a, a star and then, like, a solid thing of light. Oh, yeah, and, like, I'm light-sensitive, but... Um, I had read some stuff on this. I, it was years ago. It's true. Now, He's, but he is very light sensitive. If he gets out in the sun, he like will literally burn. Light. I like being outside. That that yeah. is definitely not can, a thing. He has to put on like SPF one hundred. I never before wear he gets out. any sunscreen. You are very light sensitive. It is okay. A lot of people have that condition. Oh my! <laughs> oh my god! No, but um, because I had read some on this years ago, and mm. I remember looking through a study, and I I think it was all women in the study. It was I think in Sweden. Was it where the state was going? I, I, it might have been Denmark or something. I don't remember. But no, I, you taught me something new. I, di- I didn't know about that. Oh, absolutely. I'm absolutely convinced that there are people that, you know, can perceive the world differently just because of their senses. And I mean, they're, uh, I mean, it's almost like having like a sixth sense. And if you have a sixth sense like that, then you're going to perceive the paranormal differently than how the average person does. Also, I'm hoping you choose the hard way. That sounds like it's going to be a lot more fun. Um. I'm, I'm just telling you now, I will not, I will not go quietly into that good woods. <laughs> good, good. That'll make it more fun for us. <laughs> All right. All right. That, uh, that does it for the comments for the episode. If you guys haven't checked out our last episode, I highly recommend it. It was actually a really good episode. So I've been enjoying talking about missing four. Oh yeah. Man. No, this has been a fun, uh, fun subject. Yeah. Okay. There's something I wanted to start us out with. Sure. And I was looking into some of the stuff involving Ed and Lorraine Warren, and they had a really interesting theory about paranormal things going on in the woods. Okay. And I I thought it might be fun for us to talk about. Sure. But their idea was this, that many paranormal entities need energy to manifest is a common thing that you see in a lot of their work. Correct. And they were going off the thought process of what's happening there is you have this mass abundance of plant life, especially trees. And that they're basically feeding off the energy of the trees and the area around them to get that energy to manifest. I I have a hard... Wait, were you done with your thought? Well, I, now we can talk oh, it over. Well, I mean, I... So here's the thing that I have a hard time believing is that there is just this... That, that plant... That paranormal entities would be more attracted to, say, plant energy than the energies that are put off from a city. Because, I mean, if you look at, like, like if you seem like any ghost hunter that's ever been out there or that's dealing with some sort of invisible entity in some sort of way, and you have, like, electronic drain phenomenon, that's one of the things that happens is they always seem to drain the batteries in a lot of paranormal investigator-like stuff. And so I have a hard time believe I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that, that, that stuff out in the woods would be attracted to the energy in the woods as compared to stuff in the city. I, I agree with you on that, and I believe that many entities in the city do harness things like electrical right. systems and things like that to make themselves manifest. But certain entities are just straight not found in the city. Maybe the electricity there is too much of a problem for them, or maybe it's like Faye with the high concentrations of iron in a city, they have to live away from it. So one possibility is they're using the same form of manifestation where they're harvesting energy, but for some reason, they're avoiding those areas. Like, another thing might be maybe they can hear a lot of the signals in the city, and maybe it's just straight-up deafening. I, I would be way more likely to believe that it's not anything to do with ambient energy specific to the woods 
but rather what the woods offer that the city doesn't, which is just the ability to hide. Because the entities that you typically find in the woods versus well, like large your, cities. For this, we're talking about like strictly supernatural entities in the sense right. of like ghosts, phantoms, spirits. Eh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I seem way more. I mean, you're just going to have more accounts of people talking about seeing invisible entities in the cities than they are in the woods. There's just more sto- there's just more stories of them. I think that you would there would be a lot more campers that would be describing these sorts of entities going on in the woods than they would say and the typical story being, oh, it's in this dilapidated house or it's you know, it haunted me when I was a kid or it haunted me, you know, or it was just in this particular area of town. I, I have a hard time I have a hard time believing that. But think about encounters with things like animistic spirits. They follow oh, very yeah. similar okay. rules yeah. in that they can be intangible, they can be invisible and things like that, but you never see an encounter with one in a city. I would agree. I, no, I would, I would agree with that. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, but then again, it's hard to assume. It's hard to know an animistic spirit than, say, maybe, I don't know, other types of visual entities that you may run into, say, like in the, in the, in the country. Now, and there are plenty of animistic spirits that are hostile to people like there are lots of legends about animistic spirits that will harm you that will kill you if given the chance and many of these live in isolated areas like the like to, to touch on a little bit of the wendigo um the wendigo falls into an odd thing and i think something is missed often when people talk about it and this is from the tradition that my father had tra- taught me that when you see a physical wendigo that's not the actual wendigo that the wendigo is a spirit and then it possesses people, but those people are also usually called Wendigo, although Wendigo possessed would be more correct. That this is an animistic spirit that stays way far away from civilization, but is out there to deal harm to you. Uh, for people that need to break that down, it's kind of like the avatars of gods in D&D. <laughs> like whatever you're interacting with. No, I mean, just loan that concept. No, but, but but as you bring that up, man, I may backtrack my statement. I think you may actually be... I'm, I don't think that my statement of saying that they that they're similar entities is accurate. I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack that and I'm gonna recount that because the more that I thought about that as you were talking, I I I think there are differences in in what in what you'll encounter. But I don't know if it is. I don't know if it has much. But I but I will say that I don't think it has much to do with energy from the wilderness as much as what the privacy that the wilderness tends to offer. And I don't know if. It's what I truly personally believe myself, but I'd read over that and then I'm right. like, I want to bring this up because I just think it that's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, I will say that something that seems to be very prevalent across the paranormal is this idea of trying to be separate from humans a lot, like trying to avoid humanity or leaving humanity or running away, like running away, avoidance, whatever, what, what have you. Definitely true for cryptids. Right. So, I don't know, we need to say some invisible entities, too. Yeah, but mainly, like, ghosts seem to want attention. And, like, shadow some, people some, seem to want the attention. Some, too, but not 24-7. No, because you also see shadow people taking off when they realize they've been sighted. But sometimes right. they also want to sit there and torment you and make sure that you, you know they're there for right. some reason. So, but I, but, I, but I really do believe that there is something to that wanting that privacy, wanting that, that, that own space. You know, wanting to have its space separate from from humanity, which is, I think, is a, uh, a, a probably something that the woods offers that the city does not. Yeah, and there's another thing along those lines I wanted to bring up. Unless was there more on that you wanted to talk about? No, no, no. Go ahead. I know I've mentioned this before, and we're going to delve a little bit into mysticism in this. But many traditions that involve mysticism or mysticism involves this idea that you have to get out of whatever the modern world is for your time. And you have to go out into the wilderness. And while you're out in that wilderness, you're going to discover these secrets of mysticism and that you have to go through this sort of trek or you're not going to achieve what you need to. Um, It seems like there's implied that there's some truth out there. There's also that association that once again, Ed and Lorraine Warren makes this point. I think Kills makes this point as well that there seems to be a connection between the paranormal and occultism. So if you have people who are going out in the wilderness, going on these occultic journeys, maybe that could create a quote-unquote window area into the strange. Or maybe even if it's not people necessarily on that journey, 
if you were going to try to get together a bunch of people to do an occult ritual, if it's a large enough group, you can't really do it in a secretive way in a city. Well, yeah, and again, but I, but I go back to my point of that's what the wilderness is offering. It's offering you that ability to be secluded from from the eyes of humanity. Like, yeah, you can't you can't do an occultic ritual probably in the middle of town. History has shown that regular people in cities don't handle that well. <laughs> we you know whenever you see that sort of. Uh, that sort of behavior from people. But you're kind people of glossing tend- over the, like, the idea of there being a connection between these strange areas out there and occult activity. No, no, no. But I, but I was going back to when you were talking about going out of the wilderness to find the truth. But I, I think something that the wilderness offers is it allows you to remove yourself from the distractions of, you know, the, the human-esque world and allows you to be out there and think more clearly. I mean, that's the main reason about why most people enjoy going out to the wilderness it's like the idea of fishing you can enjoy fishing even if you don't catch a fish just because you're out yeah. there just by yourself or just drinking beer on a bank it's yeah. pretty damn fun yeah the fish catching a fish is just secondary to it right. but no i i, I kind of want to talk more about the idea of the like occultic practices being able to create like say these gateway zones where strange things happen mm-hmm. and could that be a possible origin for some of these things that just simply do not seem to make logical sense that's occurring out in the wilderness. No, I, I agree. I think the reason, but again, I think the reason why they're out there, it just goes back to, it just, it just goes back to that need for, but I think that's, that's but probably I why it's out there. I want to have a conversation beyond just that. Oh, that's okay. what we're doing here. We're having a conversation. Oh, yeah. so like why, like why do people do that? Do we even think that this could be a possibility of it? I mean, there's lots of legends oh. involving mystics going out in the woods and then strange things happening yeah. like lights in the sky and things like that well yeah because when you're going out there dealing with dealing with the parent you know and you're dealing with the cult activity you're dealing with the paranormal so i mean the more focus that you're giving it the more likely that it's going to draw attention to you you know we've talked about that ex- to that at length that you know you start having more paranormal experiences when you start investing in the paranormal and if you take it to the realm of a cult you're taking that to a whole other level mm-hmm. and that's just going to take that's going to just going to bring even more attention to that particular area. So that could be why that could be why there's so much paranormal activity going on in the woods is because people have to go out there for that sort of occultic activity. Yeah. And like, basically if you're going to do a big ritual, like when Crowley did a lot of his rituals, he went out into the desert and stuff like that. But if you're trying to get a group together and you're going to go out into the wilderness, where, where are you going to go in the wilderness? National parks. Yeah, you're going to go to a national park because you can't just take a big group of people into some random person's forest. Right. I don't know. I, I just felt like this could be a possibility here, not necessarily what I believe, but something that I wanted to talk out as being no, 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 potentially I, a thing. No, no, no. I, no, I, I think you're right. I think there's, I think there's something to again when you poke the occult, the occult, the occult post back. Speaking and, of that, we do have that Ouija board that you wanted to do the oh, unboxing. That's right. Yeah, on. I need, I need to do the unboxing video for that. I can't believe you let us get that. That's I'm not going. <laughs> I'm not going to use. I'm not going to use it. But no, I, but I think that could be, I could, I think that could be what's going on. Either a, you know, paranormal entities are just being drawn to that humanity or, you know, it's becoming a byproduct of their particular paranormal occultic activity that they're doing out there. I, I totally think that could be what's causing it. And I think then you have people that are in the mundane that are stumbling upon stuff like that. And, you know, that could be what's causing some people to go missing is because they're running into the after effects of people's occultic behavior. So, you know, it makes me wonder though, like whether or not, if, like as, you know, I I would say that people are becoming a lot more, I mean, are becoming more accepting over time. So, do you think that that's going to cause, you know, I would say we're probably more tolerant of people doing occultic activity in twenty twenty one than we were probably say in like nineteen twenty one. Probably, oh, yeah, yeah, d- definitely you we know. are. I don't know because I'm kind of torn between. Are these people actually doing something magic or accidentally causing a mystical reaction? Basically, by engaging these in cultic activities, are they achieving their goal and accidentally leaving a door open? Or is it really they're just kind of screwing around and maybe right. make a tear? Right. Um, I, I, I don't think every person who goes out and does something occultic is going to get any sort of result. Oh, well, it, but we, I think sometimes they may accidentally end up with something. Well, I don't know if we necessarily could get an answer because we've talked about that before, like in private, about people like practicing, like generally in the occult. Yeah. Most people tend to do it privately as compared to, say, doing it publicly. So I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't know if really 
you know, we're ain't going to be any closer of finding out if people are truly actually doing something or it's more or less just simply just a byproduct of them attempting something. So that's on that, but here. So what are we on to next? Mm. So, uh, well, we talk a lot about, you know, David Pilatus never really points to any one particular, no one particular thing. So something that I was trying to do when I was looking and preparing for today's episode was I was looking at, you know, we, we were talking about like that, that human element before, yeah. right? Like, you know, if humans are going out and doing a cult activity, you know, David Pilatus has postulated before of, well, maybe the reason why people are going missing out in the woods is because they're running into, uh, maybe 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 they're going missing because of some sort of human element behind it. Oh, yeah, you know, maybe this has been part of the phenomena since yeah. the very beginning. Maybe there's like a conspiracy in order for some people are taking other people for some sort of reason. So the first one that I looked at was drug manufacturers. Yeah. So I saw this really interesting uh, assessment from like 2005 from the Department of Justice that was talking about the number of times that like the U.S. Department of Justice has seized uh, <laughs> marijuana plants and methamphetamine plants. Like within methan- with methamphetamine, like they've literally like seized hundreds of methamphetamine labs and like mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of weed plants. So like actually, they actually like broke down the map and I'm going to post this so that you guys can see this. The map of where they've seized uh a lot of these, uh, uh, okay. He's turning the like, computer yeah, for me to see, yeah. Like, seize these, like, that's where they seize most of the national, like, the, the large, like, pot plants. Wow, I do not like that big red blotch in yeah. Kentucky, yeah. And then, if you lay that on top of David Politis's cluster zones, they're very eerily similar. Yeah, there's there's some there's there's some spaces that are missing, but there are there are some there are some large uh, similar patterns about where some of the darkest spots are compared to some of the cluster. Actually, zones. one of the weirdest things, though, the really big cluster zones don't seem to have like a parity on the other map. Yeah, they do. Uh, right down, like right down here, like in California, like Southern California. Oh well, yeah, I'm just having an issue resizing the map. I yeah. guess these two don't. Yeah, I mean, there's parts of say like. Like like middle America, like and so like I like Ohio. I don't, if I was U.S. government, I would probably look at this map. <laughs> They'd probably start looking there, you know. And that's not even, but truthfully, that's not even including like the methamphetamine labs that they tend that they tend to seize. But that makes sense because I people who are going to do drug farming on public land, they're going to go for the biggest national parks they can to minimize their chance of being found. Absolutely. That's actually secretly been one of my big fears about us going out into the wilderness is running across the wrong meth lab. Yeah, like there was a, a missing case person that um, that that was pretty famous. It was Arvin Walter Nelson. And uh, he disappeared in, in uh, August 6th of 2014, and he went on, he went on a backpack uh, trip in the Los Padres National Forest. And he was supposed to go for like a week, and he told his friends, hey, if you don't, if you don't see me, um, if you don't see me, like there could be, you know, come look for me, and I'm only oh, going to be there for a week. Story. Yeah. And he goes out there and like he runs into like this cabin. He runs into like a cabin that spends like two days hanging out with some people there and then is never seen again after that. And you know, one of the things the investigators in that, one of the things that they believed is that he may have again stumbled upon a, a pot like a pot farm out in out in that national forest. That might have been what caused him to, to go missing. Because again, I mean these people are not the kind of people that want people to, you know, report what they find. Because this is, you know, these are you know, multi-decades in prison, you end up for these. But one of the interesting things is as we see pot become more and more legal or illegal, we're going to see less massive drug farms out in the wilderness. You're still going to have the oh, meth yeah. dealers out there oh, cooking. Yeah. So one of the things that might help us with this is as that becomes more normalized, if we see a drop in the disappearance rates, so that might be something that could prove a connection. Uh, well, I mean, again, th- but that's only because it's privatized versus people just trying to do, like, their own. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm not saying it's right. going to get rid of it, no. but it should reduce the numbers. But it, but it might, make it, but it might make it decline. Yeah, yeah. It should yeah. cause a decline, and we should see a reactionary Absolutely. decline in disappearances. Absolutely, yeah, and I think that could, that, that could be what might cause it to, to go down. Mm-hmm. Interesting things to look out for. Yeah. Okay, that's it, America. Quickly legalize pot in all the states so we can run our experiment. That's the only reason we no, want it. I, we, we definitely don't want it so we can get weed legally in Indiana. It's just for our experiment. You know, no. You know, the, 
you know, there's tons of weird conspiracies, man. There's there's conspiracies of people like accusing like the government of being the ones that's causing the uh, th- that's growing those particular farms or those labs like that are out there in the national forest too. There's been a hu- there have been people that have pointed to to that, and that's what's happening is people are stumbling stumbling upon these, uh, and then the government or the people that are there that that they're that are in their employer getting rid of them. But even if the government is in charge of it and it's ran very organized, it doesn't explain the disappearances that happen near trails and stuff. True. Because the thing is, if you're going to be running a secret drug lab, you're not going to put that like near a major trail where people are going to be walking right. all the time. Right. You're going to put that way out there. Yeah. Absolutely. You definitely don't want your meth lab like 40 feet from like a walking <laughs> trail or a biking trail. You're going along What's, what's that smell? It smells like like a thousand cats just peed here. Like, you know what? <laughs> you guys you guys go ahead. I'm just going to go check it out by myself. It's like, why do you got a ladder out? My business. <laughs> like, that's what's, that's what's causing people to go missing from that. <laughs> you know, the other thing that I saw, too, man, is uh, the other conspiracy that I saw is people believing that people are going missing because they're being abducted from the woods uh, from, like, the illegal organ trade yeah you know i did you know that it's not called the like the the market to to buy organ human organs is not called the black market it's called called the red red, it's called the red i didn't know that before i started researching this oh was i supposed to be surprised when you mentioned that earlier no 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 no. i didn't think you were but i i didn't realize that that was what they called it Mm -hmm. you know and the in the in the weirdest part about it too that i found about it is you know you know david politis talks uh a lot about how uh, there's there's always this bureaucracy, there's this red tape, right, that he has to go through, like makes it yeah. difficult for him to get any information. It's very similar to the illegal organ trade. Like if you really try to look into that to see some of the statistics that's behind it, the Department of Justice is very quiet uh, and doesn't have a whole lot of information that's out there. That seems strange to me. It is weird. And, you know, some of the studies that look on it put it in a weird, like the number of organs that are, that are transplanted to people um, in... Between 5% of the organs that are out there that are transplanted were gotten illegally, all the way up to 40% of the organs that's, that are transplanted are found illegally. That's a spread right there. I know! like it, it, Because there, it's so hard for people to really nail down the exact number of that. And Is I that would, like 5 to 40% based on area, or was that just their speculation across... Speculation across the globe. Okay. It's five to forty percent. Yeah, it's speculated between five to forty percent of the organs that are out there that, just makes that me have think been transplanted. They have just been really don't illegally. know. Yeah, yeah, it does, and it's it like based on what statistics that governments are putting out there for people to be able to see. Like it's very, it's kept very, very quiet. I do, I really don't think they're trying to police this that much because think about it. If you're one of the global elites, do you really want to wait in line with everyone else to get yeah. your organ? Yeah, true. Yeah, it's actually not hard. To find out if somebody is a match for you. That part's actually the easy part. The difficult part is the part about, you know, having somebody die in a way that makes their organs harvestable to be able to get it. But, you know, if you throw that, you know, if you throw that little problem out the window, then so it makes qu- it a whole lot easier. So question, I'm just trying to get in your head on this theory. Sure. Are you thinking like this is Random people with this job out in the wilderness because it's an isolated area grabbing and just doing this and just trying to figure out the information afterwards? Or do you think this is an organized thing of people knowing, already knowing what who people are, what their blood type is, what sort of compatibility issues they have, and then waiting for them to enter this sort of zone and then kind of surgically hitting them? Yeah, yeah, that's the theory. Now, I, which one? Which one? Of those oh, two that I the, think that there's people that are that are out in the wilderness waiting for people to go out there and then snatching them up. Okay, so you're thinking it's more of a um, kind of attack of opportunity sort yeah. of thing. Well, that's the theory about it. Now, me personally, I don't agree with either. I actually don't think I actually don't believe this personal conspiracy. The main reason why is it's super difficult to find people in the world. <laughs> it's, it just doesn't make I mean, any sense to do it that truthfully, way. Truthfully, a way easier way of doing this would be to look for people in cities. Yes. Hit them with scopolamine, then just get them to agree yes. to come with. Yeah, you. and then you just and then you just go like if you look at like the, the the actual like they they David Politis will like get upset and say like oh the na-, you know people will be like oh the national government in the United States doesn't keep track of people that go missing in the national forests. They do keep track of people that go disappearing actually in the cities, mm-hmm. and like in 2012, there was 661 thousand missing persons reported. And they solved all but 2,000 of them within the year. 
Really? Yeah, they were all solved within the year. That's a, that seems like a really high solve rate. Yeah, but um, well, I mean, they typically tend to be good finding people that can't be found. But anyway, but that just goes to show you how more people go missing in the in the more people go missing in the uh, in the cities than they do in the woods. I go back to that. It's way different. Like that Brian Laundry guy that 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 went missing. Um, that you know that people think that killed his girlfriend that went out in the woods or whatever. Police were looking for him for like two weeks before they finally found his dead body out there in the woods. I mean, it's it's hard to find somebody who doesn't want to be found, or if you don't, or if you don't like link up with that person that goes out there. Oh yeah, for me to believe that there are these like, you know, government blackbaggers that are out there that are snatching people up, or these you know organized crime families that are snatching people in the parks. I mean, it would be it'd be easier to cause the disappearance to go by yeah. more easily in a city. Now, if you think of like the, the, the your statistical, like your mob boss, you're like, all right, I got to pay a guy to snatch somebody. Do I need to pay a guy that can just snatch somebody off the street or train a guy to, to be like super Chuck Norris, <laughs> like, a, like super tracker, like out of the woods to track someone. Nah, I'm just going to go with the guy who can open up a trunk easy. <laughs> so, so do you think like the organ harvesting is related at all to this? I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't believe people have, have put that forward. And that's a reason about why people go missing in the woods and the U S government's complicit with it. And they just don't want people talking about it. But to me, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense as a conspiracy because, because it's, it's just too difficult to do. I just, I don't, I don't, there are other conspiracies that I'm a little bit more. And it may, does may, seem may, like it would maybe. be much easier to do this in a urban environment, especially in a third world urban environment where officials could be bribed easily. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you're not going to make your money back off the plane ticket. Now, based on where we're at in this, I do have an interesting uh, like new phenomenon that I want to talk about, but I'm going to talk about that in the pillow section. Okay. But is there anything else that you wanted to bring up for this particular episode as far as this? Because I've got another one. I've got another conspiracy. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. So what about the alien abduction conspiracy? There are a few cases that link up really well with abduction. Yeah. You start, You start firing and I'll jump in. Yeah. So, I mean, there have been people in the UFO community for years that have talked about that the United States government has had secret treaties with aliens or whatnot. And they, oh, yeah, and yeah. they agree to it. There's a book that came out by uh, Timothy Beckley, Sean Castle, and a guy named commander X, who's like this apparently like secret government official that was telling them the secrets that said for years, the government, the U S government's had treaties with aliens to take so many people. But then over time, the aliens just break that treaty and then just take women and then children <laughs> over time, yeah. like in their book. And people think that like, they're abducting people out in the woods because, you know, if you think about how, how, many, how many times have Bigfoot sightings been sighted with UFO sightings? Oh, many, many times yeah. is, is a commonality. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember, uh, we had talked about this story on the channel a long time ago, but do you remember the story of the other grandmother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I do remember that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, just the basics of it. Um, this kid goes missing. Um, he's found a little while later. He explain, eventually ends up explaining that he was taken, um, and this was in a national park, he was taken to a cave, and there were a bunch of, like, random things there, and there was this strange-acting lady. She looked like her gra- his grandmother, but acted differently and was trying to get him to, like, poop on this, like, um, this paper and stuff. And I think that this makes a lot of sense for screen memory and alien abduction involving DNA because feces is an easy way to... Like, get a DNA sample. Yeah, absolutely. Especially for, like, a kid to understand it. It's not going to be as traumatizing as, like, a invasive sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. You see, like, Yosemite National Park is a huge UFO paranormal hot, like, hotspot where people report seeing UFOs all the time out there. Actually, almost any park that you go to, if you talk to people, you will find weird urban legends about it. Like, I've been wanting to get people over to um, Land Between the Lakes for a long time. Yeah. Because there is a huge hotbed of paranormal behavior. Right. Actually, I think sheep squatch was, right. or is it pig squatch? What one of the one of the squatches yeah. is over there? <laughs> now, if you want, like, now if you think about like where aliens would want to try to abduct people, like out in the woods, that'd be way easier. And it's often too. Like, if you think of like a lot of a lot of a lot of actually a lot of alien abduction stories have similar uh, similar similarities to missing four one encounters of people that have. Uh, come back missing time yeah strange physical ailments mm-hmm. um oh strange behavior sort of afterwards and things like that like these are all these are uh strange weather phenomena these are these are all things 
that are that are often linked up when people have UFO sightings. Also, it could possibly explain one of the big odd issues with people who come back, and that's the whole thing where they seem to be in better shape than they should be if they were out in the wilderness that long. Oh, absolutely. Because so many cases involved things like this person went missing for three days, and they do not have any signs of, like, really heavy exposure. They don't have signs of being, like, as hungry or as thirsty as they should be. Or, like, the three-year-old that went missing for, I think it was a full week. And she doesn't remember ever drinking or eating anything, but she was found hydrated. Yeah. Or the case of the toddler that was found on the other side of the Appalachian Mountains. Yes. On the other side of the Smoky Mountains. And also, another commonality is these kids are not as beat up as they should be. They might have a nick or a scratch there. But if you walked miles barefoot, especially as a child, and you don't have very, you know, built-up feet calluses, you're going to be tore up, which is never seems to be the case. I, this might be the good time to bring this up. Did you? Okay. There's a whole lot of stories about involving kids with missing 4-1 that go missing out in the national parks and they should be more hurt. Do you know there's a lot of stories involving kids that run into bears that take care of them? Yes. This is a big commonality. This is so weird. The big weird. dogmen or bearmen. Yes. A lot of kids will report that. And there's even been cases where um, there's one case I... I didn't really prep this because I didn't think no, this no, would come no, up No, 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 I know. But we're going to get way more into this, like, probably in the next episode than to, than just today. Oh, okay. But, no, but it's start, okay. I was about but to start it, telling stories. No, no, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's just the thing of, like, there's something possibly keeping kids or people that go missing safe. There's some sort and of there's outside. There's a lot, yeah. a lot of stuff out there. There's some it. sort of outside factor influencing this. Werewolves. Causing that. They're real, and they're here for your children. Bears are smarter than maybe. maybe bears are bears. smart. Thank you very much. Bears are some very smart animals. I've watched several videos of bears breaking into particular buildings. Yeah, or but getting have you traps. found a video of a bear picking up a child and then sprinting on its hind legs with it? No, but there's stories of kids that do that. Of kids that said that that bear picked that... them up in their mouth and walked away with them. I'm just saying. I'm not trying to make waves. Okay, okay, we'll we'll get into this in the next episode. I'm really looking forward to talking about this. But you know, I want to. Uh, the, but I want to go. But I want to go back to that the idea of like alien abductions with the national parks. Like, I do want you, to go back to werewolves. Well, we're gonna get to that. <laughs> Tune in next week. We're gonna have a great guest uh, podcast on that we were just on there, so it's gonna be great. Um, but I want to get back to this alien uh, theory because we haven't talked about a whole lot about this. Okay. You know, David Pilatus even has a. I think almost it was in his uh, Hunter per, uh, documentary that he did. He had yeah. a guy that saw like a strange floating light that was out there. And then, do you think there's something to that? Do you think that aliens would be more likely to abduct people in the cities or out in the national parks? Okay. My fir- the first thing on this I want to talk about is this. It seems like they have no issue abducting people from wherever they want to in many cases. But also, on the other hand, there are a lot of cases where they just seem to target people in the wilderness. I, um, oh God, what was the name? Uh, Betty and Barney Hill. Right. Like, they got, they got abducted for the first time way out on a back road. Yeah. It, maybe it's one of those things where... The first time that you get caught before they tag you, it needs to be someplace isolated where they can really get in there. And then after that, for some reason, they can get to you more easily. But there are tons of abduction, abduction stories that occur within major cities without anyone seeing anything. Well, okay. I've always I've always said that if you're going to talk about the alien phenomenon, you really cannot talk about the alien phenomenon like it's one unified. I don't believe it's one unified oh, force. fair, fair. If aliens are real, I don't think this is one unified force. I think you're going to have multiple different types of aliens, and at some point, all these aliens are going to have to look at human human behavior and sort of, like, try to figure out the best way to abduct people. And I think it's safe to say that I think that some of them would be smarter to try to snatch people out in the natural forest where it would be much more easier for them to disappear and where people will stop looking uh, after a while. Like, if you compare, like, how, how much that the uh, authorities will look for somebody that goes missing in a city... As compared to the weeds out in the rural country, they will stop much sooner out in the country than they will out in a city. Yeah, it's because they assume there's not someone caring for them. Right. So they assume that they must have done, they would have stopped. Now, if you want to talk about an alien, like a, like a force out there that, that might have picked up human behavior, it's probably the best time to do it out there than to say they do it in a city. It's much more insidious. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, but I have to counterbalance this with the fact that so many abduction stories involve someone being taken in the middle of the city and literally no one noticing. No, no, I'm not saying that some of them don't, but to be fair, ones that ones that occur in the city, okay, at a certain point, hum, humanity is going to get better at being able to detect them that are doing that. 
as compared to say ones that do this in the natural forest system. Oh yeah, like I was just um, listening to someone talk about how when they updated the uh, radar yes. on the fighter jets um, a few years ago, they were suddenly picking up these right. objects that yeah. they previously weren't picking up. Yeah, and so you know, aliens are going to have to be responding to that particular behavior. They're going to have to be responding to humanity evolving our like the average person evolving their surveillance. See, this is equipment. why I don't think it's actually aliens. As I don't think their technology um, is as far advanced. If if they have the technology to go across the massive interstellar sea to us, their technology should be better than this. We right. should not be picking them up on any form of radar. I think they want us to think their technology is way beyond us, but I think the fact of the matter is it's really not, and it's definitely ahead of well, us. We have some people but I don't think it's that far ahead of us. We have some people that think that that's where these treaties come from, is that they think, oh, we can take so many people as a way of just, you know, you know, we're going to sacrifice a couple of humans to save, you know, a billion people. It's a weird occulty vibe. You don't, th- you don't think, you don't think they would make that trade? Oh no, they would. Yeah, absolutely. They would make that trade. And you know, humanity's technology is evolving at an exponential rate to the point where the average person has like way better surveillance technology, actually better than say, like even some of the government did back in the fifties, like the average person. So, you know, aliens that if they're going to be abducting people, they're going to have to probably, you know, curb their, you know, they're going to have to curb their behavior if they're going to be learning too. Yeah. So I think that's why they're going to do it. So, so, all right. Any, any of the stuff that we talked about, you know, any final thoughts? Mm, nope. You I don't think, have any final the, thoughts? The thing is, like, this really wasn't a final thoughts sort of episode. We just kind of pitched the ball back and forth on things. Well, I, which, I guess, which one do you like the best of the ones that we pitched for so far? We've so far. Okay. We, so. Out of the ones we talked about today, I did like, I do kind of like this idea of, um, oh, goodness. I, I don't know. They're, they're all good ideas. Like, But the thing is, we don't have a solid smoking gun to point to any singular thing. Um, do, do you think there's more of a human element? To it, than I think than what some. other than when other people play. But the thing is, I don't believe there's any one answer. I think that this is a lot of different phenomena True. going on. So, but do you do you think but there's I more think of a some, human element? I than, think some than what can do. have a human element. Okay, yeah. Like I, some, if not all. I think there is a far more human. There's there's more of a human hand in this. I think than people um, will admit it to, whether directly or indirectly. There is probably. The human, the human hand involved in missing in the missing four hundred one phenomenon, you know, because I agree with you, don't like throughout the whole all of this. There's not, there's, there's not going to be a single explanation to explain it all. There's just no way. It's like the Bermuda Triangle. Sorry, but there's, there's definitely just, some hinky stuff going on. No, abso- absolutely. But I think that there's, there's probably a lot more of a human element to the missing four hundred one phenomenon than people are going to give this thing credit for. But I want to know what you guys think on the comment below. Did you guys like any of the theories that we've talked about? It. Uh, you know, is there more of it just that there's specific invisible entities that just live out in the woods? Do you think that it's organized crime people involved in drugs, human trafficking that are that are picking people up? Is it aliens that are coming down and just abducting people uh, out from uh, like while they're wandering through the national forest? You know, does the government know about it? Do they not know about it? Is it the infamous Ravenmocker? Is it? Put your thoughts on the comments below. Um, if you guys are listening to this, that means that you guys, uh, please give us a like um, or hit that notification bell. Uh, if you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, hit that notification bell so you guys get notified whenever we put out a new episode. Um, if you can leave us a review somewhere, please leave us a review uh, on iTunes. It's a great way to help out the podcast. We appreciate it so much. Again, we give a huge shout out to all of our patrons as well as everybody that's supported us over these two years for our podcast. Thank you guys so much. Oh, yeah, guys. Thank you. You guys are the best. Uh, but stick around uh, for your patron for the pill talk segment because I've got something that I think that that I'm going to get Vic, that I want to pick Vic's brain about something new that's risen up in the missing 401 phenomenon. Ooh, yeah, that's exciting. really that really sparked in 2021. Might not be new, but it def- the conversation has come up a lot. Okay, but you you got me interested. Until then, guys, keep believing because we'll keep listening. All right, guys, we're going to slide into the Pillow Talk segment of this podcast. If you want the rest of this awesome podcast, all you got to do is go over to our Patreon, sign up for as little as a dollar a month. You get the rest of these awesome uh, podcast episodes as well as bonus episodes that we put up exclusively for our Patreons. Um, and you get access to One Candle TV, like our episode we did of The Crawler, this really thin, emaciated creature that walks around on all fours that stalks people uh, oh, how out of the woods. Are we on the uh, Glimmerman um we're getting closer. I'm almost done. I've got a little bit more of it to edit, so my plan is to hopefully have it up here within the coming weeks. Okay. So maybe days. Just depends on it. But I'm getting closer. 
So, all right. Um, oh, and if you sign up for $2 more a month, you get access to our poll where you can vote on the theme of our content for the month. And right now, it's looking like in November, we're going to be talking about ghost towns, haunted towns, paranormal towns. We might, not been, we might even end up revisiting the concept of shrine towns, which was a very popular concept that people, uh, that people liked. These weird towns that are hiding some sort of dark paranormal secret. Hey, I found some abandoned churches near here if you want to investigate them during that month. I do. That sounds awesome. All right, so for this particular episode, I thought that we would talk about uh, another theory, one that I was not familiar with, uh, that it was that it was connected to missing 411, but within the whole last of 2021, there has been a huge rise of people connecting this, uh, this conspiracy, this phenomenon uh, to missing 411, and that is wild feral people. Oh, I, I've heard of yeah. this, but I don't remember this being a big part of the conversation. Yeah, Did this, pick up? this picked up within this whole last year. A lot of people have been talking about this whole idea that for years, for years, people that live near national parks, especially the Great Smoky Mountains in particular, have been uh, claiming that there are like these bands of wild feral people. Some of them are cannibalistic that lurk out of the woods and they're connected to people disappearing out in the woods. If you watch the American horror story series of like shorts, one of them was just on that. Yeah. Okay. And, how feral are we talking before we get any further? Um, I mean, the, okay. So the person, the person's book that I, that I looked at an excerpt and I listened to an excerpt and I listened to an interview of him talking was a guy named Steve Stockton. Killing reality brought him up. He said he actually talked to him. Uh, and this is another author that often writes about missing four and one. So, because I wanted to expose you guys to some other authors other than Nadia with Politis that's out there. Uh, in his book, National Parks, uh, Mysteries and Disappearances, he talks a lot about uh, wild feral people as a possible explanation for white people going missing. Thank <laughs> you.